Welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast, where you have to fight for your right to party. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Twitter, uh, and today we also have to fight for space on the screen. For those of us <laughs> those watching the video version, uh, I'm Brandon at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. I'm Inver. I don't do Twitter. <laughs> do, do you have other other social medias? I mean, you would I like? guess you could. You could find me on Twitch, or you could stalk me in the Goblins and Growlers Discord, but I'm Inver most places. Maybe you maybe you can find an Inver on Twitter. Tell them they're impersonating me. And uh, I'm I'm Sydney, and I am not really on social media quite yet, but slowly crawling back. I can respect that. I can respect that. BT Dub, everybody. We have guests today. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't upfront. Um, Josh, what do we have today? This uh, anniversary of our country's birth. So this anniversary of our country's birth, we were debating how to talk about, you know, independence and a little a little bit of American pride, but not too much American pride, because that we would we would want to be authentic and got to be on know, brand. We, we, you know, you know, so uh, it was actually Inver who had the brilliant idea for us to, instead of talking about like patriotism or something like that, where we might struggle a little more, to instead talk about American cryptids. Woo! Yeah, because even Cthulhu's kind of problematic if you go back deep enough. <laughs> well, you, you don't really have you... to go back too deep for that. <laughs> you don't have to go back that deep. <laughs> yeah, one biography of the author. That's about as far back as you have to go. You know as... what is politically neutral, though? That's right. Cryptids are very politically neutral, and I love cryptids, so this right. works out great. All right, before we get into cryptids, though, Josh, we have our first listener mail from a person we actually don't know. <laughs> I know it's it's almost strange to be receiving an email from someone that's not already in the Discord and already has been giving us a hard time for months. Yeah, I responded to this person uh, already, but we'll read the letter and I'll give my response. But I was also like, how did you find us? He's like, you were on like the fourth page of a Google result for what I was looking for. <laughs> so uh, that's how I, I found you. <laughs> <laughs> I could read the letter. And then if you want to read your response, if that works for you. You can read the letter and then I will dictate my memory of my response because I'm not going to call it up out of my email. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Hello. Sorry if this is an unusual way to ask this, but I just listened to the podcast episode about the Power Rangers RPG, and while I found the core rulebook lacking, mostly echoing the opinion that it's on rails and not what I was wanting. So that being said, I'm wondering if you guys have managed to find a way to make the game more open to customization since that podcast. If you have, is that posted anywhere for me to find? I really would love to play this and not be forced into GMing, but I feel if I have to break it up, to make it playable, then I'll have to. So I'm hoping someone has had more luck than me. Anyway, thanks for any information, if you have it. And if not, then thanks for your time regardless. Justin. Yeah, so I responded to Justin and said, truthfully, I have not had time to fool around with the core rules on that Power Rangers RPG. Uh, you know, we, Josh and I talked for about 90 minutes that episode uh, about how this really feels like they banged it out there in the last four months after they decided to switch it from making it essentially a 5e clone into sort of still a 5e clone but just different enough so they can't call it 5e 
uh, very on the rails, not enough uh, variety. They really should have sort of found that Pathfinder 2E sweet spot of character creation for creating your own ranger teams. But anyways, uh, that's rehashing that. Uh, no, I haven't found a solution for it yet. And I suggested to Justin that he go check out Alter Arms. Uh, and I sent him the link to that. And he responded to my response and said he had looked into it, but it felt like it was just a little bit too much. But the guy who created it was really nice. He was nice to me and Josh when we were at MAGFest. Uh, he's very enthusiastic and very knowledgeable about tokusatsu. So I think it's kind of a little indie development system and it's got a lot of potential and it's going to have a lot more versatility, I think, once it gets a little bit further. I mean, it has more versatility now than this professional product that probably cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce. <laughs> and and I, I paid $60 for the core rule book for it. Uh, so uh, yeah, check check out Alter Arms. They've got a Discord. Uh, the guy is very active in it. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. I feel like it might also be Justin, but I can't remember. Uh, if anybody knows that, uh, you can correct me uh, at bit.ly slash goblin discord in the hashtag GNG podcast channel. Uh, but yeah, check out Alter Arms. Uh, it, it will become something as long as that guy keeps working on it. I'm confident of that. Completely believable. Mm-hmm. I'm still mad that they were like, we've got to break away from 5e. Uh, uh, sort of. Sort yeah. of break away from 5e. It gives me no hope for the Transformers and G.I. Joe RPG that they're producing. <laughs> but I'm 40 years old and it offends my childhood to meanwhile, talk about that stuff. Meanwhile, we know that the My Little Pony RPG that they're producing will be fire. Straight fire. Oh gosh, it better be. No, I'm really I'm, glad you guys are serving as like the quality control complaint center for these games. I know that yeah. you have no obligation to do it, but um, it's just it warms my heart <laughs> to see you giving people advice. Oh. And, you know, the ultimate advice is that it's within you, yeah, listener. That's true. I, you have to make the game that you want to see, right? So if you can take pieces that you like from ones that are already out there, then that's half the work that you didn't have to do. Just try and see it that way. Yeah. I think that I think Justin is running into the same problem I did in that yeah I could do that but it that would take a lot of time and I paid for this. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> man. That sounds like work. <laughs> I get it. Make someone yeah. else do it. Delegate. That's also part of work. <laughs> I will hire a game master. I will pay you a professional game master to tweak this rule system. <laughs> All right. Uh, if anybody has any questions for us, please send them to contact at goblinsandgrowlers.com. Tweet me at Way of Brandalore. Tweet Josh at Black Cloak DM. Uh, or you can just tweet at Goblins Growlers. Also, I'm on Instagram at Way of Brandalore. You can send me a message there, but I don't check them as often, but I might find it. Also, Brandon at goblinsandgrowlers.com. Josh doesn't check his Goblins and Growlers email. My Goblins and Growlers email is mostly for invoices at this point. And <laughs> I open it, I get sad. All right, let's talk about monsters. That'll cheer you up. <laughs> I love talking about monsters. Of course you do. That's why it was so easy to talk you into this. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I think maybe the way to do this would be like round robin, since each of us picked two. Uh, we could just basically kind of go around with the first set and then come back around with the second set. I feel like since Brandon and I have already been doing a lot of talking, maybe we should let somebody else have the floor. That's the polite way to be a host. We didn't offer them a beverage, so we should let them go first. 
Can I drink beverages on the stream? Just yeah, that's question? fine. Keep in mind that mad. keep in mind that probably ninety five percent of the people consuming this content are doing so audio wise. So okay, I will try You're... not to chew ice or gum or anything else that but will. Don't yeah, don't gargle anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I planning on it. I wouldn't be surprised to find in comments later on that people are consuming their own beverages while listening <laughs> to the podcast. Adult or otherwise. Well, the way I kind of envisioned this conversation going was we present our monsters and then we make them battle it out for supremacy, like all good monster competitions. So I'm bringing in two big contenders today, uh, the Chupacabra and the Nightcrawlers. Maybe if I could just get like a lineup from all y'all, that would be good a good way to kind of set the stage with our contestants. Okay. Well, I'm bringing in a uh, cryptid that actually got me into uh, cryptozoology and the paranormal, our famous Jersey Devil. And then the next cryptid that I have, uh, a personal favorite to which I have seen, a Florida skunk ape, which is like the poor man's Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we f continue this roundabout, you said seen, as in you have personally seen? I, or... have, I have personally seen a skunk ape. Yep, it was in oh, Clearwater, Florida. I am so much more excited for this conversation now. <laughs> uh, the, the creatures I am bringing to the table are the Magion Monster, which is Arizona Bigfoot. So that'll be interesting. And Slenderman. It's a big it's a Bigfoot that retired and just <laughs> oh, couldn't 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 deal with the northeastern winters anymore. <laughs> well that's either either way. You've got Florida Bigfoot and Arizona Bigfoot. Like we're just retirement county big feet. Who would win in a battle of Florida man versus Florida Bigfoot? Oh, Florida Bigfoot by far. Um, it actually has the Florida man under its thrall. Yeah, you got to think if, if, <laughs> if Florida man is that bad, Florida Bigfoot must be like 10 times like the Bigfoot. That yeah, they're Bigfoot pretty is. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 would not recommend to hang out with either. Yeah. I do like your pitch for Slenderman. Josh, because it really is one of like the more modern concepts of cryptids, and I'm I'm hoping to dig into that deeper. But I think I, Brendan, I was there for the birth of Slender Man on the Something Awful forums. You were there when it was written. <laughs> yeah. um, for I I am bringing to the table two of my home state favorites. I am from uh, Southern West Virginia, and uh, I am bringing to bear uh, the classic Mothman. Uh, yeah. To which I have a like uh, six degrees of separation connection, and the uh, Flatwoods monster, also known as the Braxton County monster. Oh, the Flatwoods monster is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe to start it off, I will start with the chupacabra just to just to get it going. I'm from I'm from Texas. I am used to hearing stories about the goat sucker, and it's probably the closest thing we get to vampires being so close to the sun. <laughs> what it generally looks like has kind of deviated based on Puerto Rican versus, versus Texas lore. Texas kind of says that they're dogs with big kangaroo legs in the back and four teeth, four, four large prominent fangs. Um, while the Puerto Rican description is more of like a, 
rabid lizard with four prominent fangs. The fangs are consistent, and the blood sucking is consistent because it's the only, I guess, um, pest, farm pest that leaves the bodies but takes the blood. I didn't realize there are regional variants of the chupacabra. There are. Yeah, but they still have the same kind of killing strategy, and that's what ties them together as, like, the same creature. That's interesting. The beginning, and end, the beginning and end of all my Chupacabra knowledge is that one episode of the X-Files. <laughs> it's <laughs> the a good episode, episode of the X-Files. Doing reading for this episode, for recording this episode, I learned that there's regional versions of almost every cryptid. Mm-hmm. There's regional Nessies, like Loch Ness monsters, everywhere over the world. Which yeah. is insane to me. Like There's one everyone... in the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How? What? What? How? I think I'm pretty sure the U.S. has at least like four or five, if yeah. I'm remembering the cryptid chart correctly. There's Chessie, right. and then there's Champ up in uh, like Lake Michigan or something. Mm-hmm. Those are the only ones I remember. So I guess we can continue our tour to Sydney's big monster. Although I will say, vote for vote for the chupacabra because at least you know it doesn't harm humans. It's it's only a monster that really is a pest to small animals. I guess it could break into your house, but really there are less cases of severe maiming with chupacabras. Maybe the chupacabra ate your baby. <laughs> <laughs> a dingo ate your baby. Um. Okay, I have like a full dissertation that I wrote up. Um. All right. <laughs> So this where where this all began uh, is circa 1735, um, which used to be called Leeds Point in New Jersey, but now it's modern day Atlantic County. But legend has it that there was a family um, out in Leeds Point, and the the family was a prominent family of the area, but a little bit of like your backwoods country. So there was a woman known as Mother Leeds who already had 12 children. So upon learning that she was going to be um, pregnant and having her 13th child, she essentially uttered a curse and pretty much said, let it be of the devil. So as any good horror story, um, this all began on a dark and stormy night out in the woods, and she was giving birth. And everything kind of went haywire. The uh, child that was born, uh, there are some uh, stories that basically say that it was a normal kid and then it transformed, and then others that basically it was a devil baby. So she has this kid. She offers it up to the devil. This thing transforms into a total abomination. It basically looks at its family, says, see you later, kicks out the window, yeets itself out towards the Pine Barrens, and... All of these stories started to come up over the past 250 years, and it was always kind of consistent that people were seeing this uh, essentially a bipedal creature in nature, so standing up on two hind legs, and it had a little bit of like a kangaroo stance, so a little bit of like what was said about, you know, the chupacabra, but like was standing up on the hind legs, tiny little T-Rex legs of doom. But it had a hybrid face that was said to look a little bit like a dog, a little bit like a horse, but had these massive bat wings and hooked feet. So in this area back in the day, um, there were many sightings that came out. And I actually uh, brought up two of my favorite stories for um, recorded sightings. And the first one 
goes with, you guys remember good old Napoleon Bonaparte? Mm-hmm. Well, he had a brother who was Joseph Bonaparte, and after losing the Peninsula War against England, he decided to kick it over in New York, landed in Philadelphia, and then in 1813, he um, went to Bordentown, New Jersey. So this guy's just, you know, hanging out in his big mansion, doing whatever French people do, and decided to go out hunting, and he had recorded that he saw some strange tracks started to follow them and then heard something, he turned around, and he saw the creature that was described like the Jersey Devil. It screeched at him, and then flew overhead and disappeared. Joseph Bonaparte decided to tell everybody that he knew. Whether or not they believed him, only time will never tell, because probably no one believed him. But in 1909, the United States Navy caused a mass panic because when they were um, overrunning drills at Hanover Mills uh, Works in the Pine Barren, there was a naval commander named Stephen Decatur that while they were practicing shooting cannonballs, they saw something flying in the sky that fit the same description as the Jersey Devil. So, you know, like America does, it's coming right for us, shoot it. They launched a cannonball at it. It hit, but it did not go down. So the Navy offhandedly mentioned this to the masses, which literally incited a panic all around the Pine Barrens area and all the towns to a point where they shut down schools and then there was a bounty on its head for whether it was dead or alive for $100,000. And it was a great time. That's I'm, fantastic. I'm guessing they don't go into this level of detail, but I would love to know... When the cannonball hit it, did it pass through like it was a ghost? Or did it hit impact, stop in midair, and just fall like, like the it, cannonball? The Jersey it, Devil is a force user, confirmed. <laughs> you no, know, it was it was probably uh shielded by the devil itself. So maybe it was like a flash of an inverted pentagram and like six six six, though no, none of those things are indicative to the devil, but that's what the masses believe and that's what we're going with. So, like, demonic cleric with the power of Satan to to defend against cannonballs is what I'm hearing. Yeah, so they, absolutely. It probably <laughs> just beat its little devil wings and, like, laughed and then went off into the sky. <laughs> so much easier to get immunity through religion. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. <laughs> But yeah, even like to this day, like there are still sightings <laughs> that are reported. Um, there actually were a few explanations put forth to what it probably was. And the um, most common one was that it was an African hammerhead bat, which does, if you look up a picture of the Jersey Devil and you look up what an African hammerhead bat looks like, you can I'm see the similarities. Up. But the only thing that skeptics tend to lean on is that like how an African bat, though it can grow to a pretty enormous size, what was being described in this area was much bigger than that. And it was the bottom half of it that was basically like a satyr, like cloven hooved, like fuzzy little weird legs, you know, tromping around with the devil. Yeah, that bat's like hand sized. It's definitely not dodging a cannonball unless it maybe like flew over it. It, it was, probably uh... did a barrel roll. Yeah, it was all perspective. The bat was actually way closer than anybody realized. That's why it looks so big. 
But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the Jersey Devil. And um, when I had first learned about this thing, I was a kid. I was probably about like 12 or 13 years old. And I en- ended up actually making a website dedicated to a few cryptids. But the Jersey Devil was the first one I ever learned about. That's kind of amazing. I love the I love the story around that, especially it's so easy for people to be like well cryptids definitely don't exist listen to some of the really zany stuff people say about cryptids. yeah <laughs> he stopped a cannonball in midair yeah I'm, I'm sure it was just a, a sandhill crane that's all it was. <laughs> the with the sandhill crane. Yep, that, that was another explanation. I have a uh, a, a long-standing beef with sandhill crane, um, specifically for this re- reason. They ruin all the fun. Yeah, sandhill cranes. They tend to get the blame pinned on them a lot for these kind of things. They Josh is Josh is going to be like the Arizona Bigfoot. No, people say it was probably a sandhill crane. A sandhill crane. That's yeah. honestly what I tell people anytime they think they see me out in public. I was like, no, I'm sorry. I was a sandhill crane. I'm a hermit entirely. I don't leave my house. I'm a solitary witch. No, no. Uh, Josh, you want to you want to oh. pitch yours? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, follow so, that, Josh. Bring uh, it. I. I will be completely honest, and longtime listeners to the show will know that I did not prepare a dissertation (laughs) at any point in time. Uh, I I did a little bit of... So the Magyar Monster intrigued me because there's a variety of Bigfoot-type cryptids all around the U.S., and in some cases all around the world, you've got, like, yetis and things like that. Well, the Magyar Monster intrigued me in particular because there's some dispute about what the Magion monster actually is. And the people who say, oh, it's an Arizona Bigfoot, are apparently scoffed at by the majority of people who claim to have personally seen it. (laughs) How does the Bigfoot community feel about it? Like the Bigfoot researcher community? A lot of elitism. Oh, the Squatch Hunters? Yeah. I... As I understand it, it's fairly mixed because they don't believe that a Bigfoot would make sense in the heat of the Arizona <laughs> desert. At well, they're not wrong. <laughs> at least like the couple of posts I saw on forums. Uh, but the the overall concept is that there could be a creature out there we're not sure what it is whether or not it's a bigfoot the thing i found fascinating was that sometimes it's described as being very ape-like and very large and more bear than a lot of bigfoot creatures are described as there's a lot more like open like the face is very open and not furry the chest is open and not furry. Like there's a lot of open flesh that is available uh, as far as like visibility is concerned, which makes sense for a more desert-like creature. It's, this particular creature also roams. There's a series of, I believe it is the Mogion Gap that this particular creature is supposed to be within. What fascinated me in particular is I found a couple of podcast episodes about it, and I'm not sure one of them told a story, and I can't tell how much of it was fictional and how much of it was researched, about (laughs) what is basically a humanoid trapdoor spider that ate a U.S. Army soldier and nearly got another one. 
Oh, this is barely R slash no sleep kind of thing. Yeah, that's I, the stuff of nightmares. I loved the story, but I have no idea how much like actual sightings or interviews went into it because they were like, oh, this story was written by this person. And I'm like, written or conceived? One, one of these things is different from the other. So it's the one of the more enjoyable things about the Magian monster is that it is a popular enough cryptid in Arizona for them to have created a 100 mile endurance race with its name. And one of the things people will do is dress up in a variety of Bigfoot costumes to do this race. And I can only imagine that the heat stroke is strong with those folks because I've looked at the temperatures in Arizona and it's over, it's well over the hundreds and it has been for a while this year. All the participants are NCAA wrestlers who are trying to make weight for their next match. <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of like other animals in the desert that have fur. Like mm, we've got mountain lions, maybe jackrabbits, coyotes, maybe bears, coyotes. There, there, there are some instances where a Bigfoot-like creature would fit into that. And if we're, mm -hmm. I don't know how deep the Bigfoot lore goes. I'm, I'm not the expert. Sydney is. Sydney is. It's, it's there we deep. Go. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I was under the assumption that they're kind of like a half animal, half human hybrid at some point. I thought well, they were a missing link. Or that, yeah, but that they have like some kind of human connection, which would make sense that there would be kind of the ape-like, fully covered in fur connection. I didn't know if there would be a good opportunity to talk about this, but I happen <laughs> to know for a fact that there is a group out of Charlottesville, Virginia, that goes hiking in the woods around central Virginia that believes that Bigfoot are a group, a, a species, of fifth dimensional travelers that are here to mostly be benevolent creatures. Most that sounds like the deep lore I was asking for. Thank mm. you. Josh, I know you spent a good lot of time in Charlottesville. <laughs> and I'm just now curious what circles you were running with up there. I'm gonna tell you right now, horse people are weird. <laughs> okay. Horse people are weird. Confirmed. Okay. I wondered if I wondered if these were the folks you were doing martial arts with. No, 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 no. No. By comparison, much less weird. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> so what what do you think the the monster is, Josh? Uh I I tend to lean more into this kind of half half ape, half man figure that's roaming roaming the countryside because the there's a lot of pictures that portray it being in the middle of the desert but if you look at what the magian gap actually is it's fairly mountainous there's a lot of trees there's a lot of air cover still desertous climate but it's a little more elevated things are a little more green i think i think it makes more sense for it to be a creature that's better at protecting itself from the environment and not just from the sun. Okay. Hmm. I'd agree. There's a lot of biodiversity. Like people think Arizona, they think desert, but it actually, it does have a lot more trees and cavernous regions than the surrounding areas. What that's, if, 
what if this monster is actually one of the reptilians, but it's disguised instead of uh, as a human, like most reptilians, it's disguised as a Bigfoot. So if anybody sees them, they'll immediately be dismissed as uh, out of their mind. I hate you know? that theory. Yeah, Illum <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> it's definitely the Illuminati. It's all always been the Illuminati. I feel like reptilians are more aliens, but then we're going to get into a conversation about whether aliens qualify as cryptids. Hollow but Earth. Hollow Earth. <laughs> it's still the Earth. Earth. theory is great. Yeah. <laughs> they got some weird stuff down there. Including Nazis. Incl oh, I see. No. I wasn't sure if we could talk about that, but yep, you got your Hollow Earth Nazis that are just waiting to this crawl out of the woodwork hey, to get you. On this podcast, we could talk about facts, like the fact that there are Nazis <laughs> facts, that live at the center Earth. of the Hollow Earth. <laughs> hey, man, Happy the Fourth Nazis July, were into everybody. some weird stuff. <laughs> Nazis are bad. <laughs> well. Okay, talking about facts, Brandon took my ultimate favorite, but like he's well entitled to this cryptid, so please. Yes. Drum roll. I grew up in southern West Virginia. If anybody from West Virginia is listening to this and I tell you that I came from right outside Charleston, they're going to laugh at me because I'm saying I'm from southern West Virginia, because traditionally that means like Mingo and Boone County and further down, but it's southern West Virginia. I'm just Boone not it, I'm just I'm just not up the hollers. I'm in I'm from southern West Virginia. So I'm from a town called St. Albans that's uh, just a 20-minute drive from Charleston. And if you drive all the way to Huntington, which is about an hour away, and then go up Route 2 for maybe an hour or so, you get to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which the only thing Point, – well, Point Pleasant is known for two things, but they're actually the same thing. It is known for the Silver Bridge collapse in 1967 that killed about 41 people uh, uh, like two weeks before Christmas. And it's also known for what possibly caused that tragedy, the Mothman. Um, first sighted in 1966, uh, two teenage couples were driving around, tooling around the Point Pleasant area at night. And they were at this place called the TNT area, which back during World War II was a munitions manufacturer and storage uh, place. I think it, ultimately it's about 8,000 acres. Uh, when all is said and told. And uh, it was shuttered after the war, um, but at, at, there are these little like igloo things there. It, it It's almost just like mounds with doors in them uh, and they're made out of concrete and steel and everything. And TNT and the chemicals that composed TNT were stored under there. Uh, so it became, it was abandoned essentially after the war, all that stuff was sealed up. Uh, so it became kind of a place where people would go to hang out, uh, like make out point kind of thing. Um, it also, the federal government uh, declared it one of the most polluted sites in the United States, like at some point, I believe in the 1970s, because of all the chemicals that leaked into the water table because of that. But so these kids are out there and they're driving around and then they pull up to a spot in the TNT center and just these are in the TNT area. And these two just red eyes off in the darkness are staring at them and they freaked out and they turned around and started driving away but the red eyes were chasing them. Uh, and they described it as, uh, you know, seven, eight foot tall, kind of black monster that had wings and it flew, but didn't appear to flap. And thus was born the legend of the Mothman. Uh, these kids called the police. The police really kind of didn't believe the story at face value, but the, the sheriff had known the kids all their lives. So he's like, well, these are good kids. They're not making up stories. 
So they went out there to check it out. Um, and then there are all these other sightings. I think, I think Mothman was sighted maybe like a hundred times between, uh, that day and December, 1967. Um, it, uh, the last time Mothman was seen was, uh, around the silver bridge, like right before it collapsed and it was chalked up. The bridge collapse was chalked up to a design flaw. Uh, but a lot of people say that Mothman is actually a harbinger of, of tragedy, um, they, they, it, there's a, a Hindu god named Garuda, and uh, the guy who wrote Mothman prophecies, um, he's a, a, a writer named Keel. He originally wanted to title the book something like American Garuda, but then he realized that that what probably wasn't as marketable as the Mothman prophecies, because <laughs> uh, Garuda was also known for uh, being around ahead of misfortune. So this this spawned into like a whole legend, uh, especially after the Mothman Prophecies book came out uh, in the 70s and the, the Mothman Prophecies movie came out in 2005. Because um, after that, people were saying like, oh, well, you know, uh, there's the black, there's like the black bird of Chernobyl that people claim to have seen yeah. uh, flying in 1986 around Chernobyl. But actually, there are no credible references to that uh, until after 1986. Or after, excuse me, like after like the 90s or something like that. Um, so there are no contemporaneous sightings for it or like records of it. Same with 9-11. People report that Mothman was flying around the, the Twin Towers. And there are apparently some pictures that I didn't bother to look up because, of course, they're fake, uh, of a blurry thing in the sky flying around the towers for 9-11. But... Uh, so Mothman is being used sort of uh, as a, a legend to be inserted retroactively into tragedy. Now, so, go ahead. Is Mothman the impetus or the harbinger of bad, bad things? See, that's, that's the thing. I tend to believe that uh, Mothman is the harbinger, just trying to let us know that something bad's going to happen. But that's just because I believe in the inherent goodness of people, or in this case, <laughs> weird sentient monsters. Um, so is Mothman an alien? Is Mothman a ghost? Some people think Mothman is a mutant uh, because of all the chemicals that were in the in the water at the TNT area. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super mutant theory. That yeah. makes sense. And that sort of played into the Chernobyl theory as well, because people are like, oh, all that radiation, like it must have like mutated a bird to be like that. Because there are birds that were mutated to have like giant tumors all over their face because of the Chernobyl radiation. But I was listening, I was doing some research today, listening to podcasts on my commute to refresh myself a little bit on Mothman. And one of the presenters on it was like, unfortunately, there are no records of radiation ever mutating one species into another or as a hybrid of two. I'm like, well, no, of course not. That's <laughs> what they want you to think. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so all those locked away at Area 51. So people say Mothman was a sandhill crane. People say Mothman was an owl. With the damn sandhill yeah. cranes. And like the owl theory, that's literally people saying like, well, maybe it wasn't as far away as you thought. Maybe it was closer. And that's why you thought it was bigger. And the big knock <laughs> against that is barn owls don't have glowing red eyes. Nay. Uh, yeah, so people would see see like he was seen chasing cars, uh, just flying around town. Uh, he would jump from limb to limb in in the woods. People saw him that way. Uh, I my personal connection to Mothman is that when I was in journalism school, uh, one of my professors, the one who was a really huge influence on me, his name was Dr. Ralph Turner. He actually just died a couple of years ago, but 
he was a reporter for the Herald Dispatch in Huntington in you know the nineteen the mid to late nineteen sixties. So the Mothman stuff starts happening, and there's a reporter up in Point Pleasant, like uh, she reported uh, for the Point Pleasant paper or the Athens Ohio uh, paper, which is just right across the river, and uh, she was very much deep into it. Keel paired up with her uh, when he was coming to write about Mothman for his book. Uh, and she was very sort of a pro Mothman sightings kind of reporter. Dr. Turner was a very grounded and practical man. Uh, so his city editor assigned him to drive up to Point Pleasant and basically sit outside in a field all night trying to trying to find Mothman. And he comes back and he writes this story that's basically just the headline on it is something like reporter waits all night, doesn't see Mothman or something like that. Sometimes but, it bees like that. But he, he always likes to tell the story that uh, that Richard Gere in the Mothman prophecies was actually based on him. Uh, and we let him I was believe about that. to ask. <laughs> yeah. We just watched that movie recently, and that movie yeah, definitely it characterizes like Mothman as the impetus of Doom instead of the Harbinger. But yeah, they also got, they also got the backstory of the teenagers wrong. Well, the movie is weird because it sets it as like in the present day rather than mm. you know it, with the '60s, and they take a lot of liberties. Um, and that's where I think that's where a lot of the public awareness of like the Chernobyl bit comes from, uh, with that being in the movie, because because the the author of the book was like, yeah, I think they felt like that was going to make for a really good story, so that's why they put that in there. Don't listen to movies, kids. It's fake cryptid news. <laughs> fake cryptid news. <laughs> well, um, um, but yeah, but yeah. So Mothman basically flight, uh, super strength, glowing red eyes, possibly a mutant. Um, maybe can tell the future, uh, or maybe likes to cause trouble. Uh, there's a, that's a lot of powers rolled into one right there. Mothman is an X Man in and of itself. <laughs> If uh, if I could piggyback a little bit, um, I did remember in like the many rabbit holes that I went through, there was actually a few sightings apparently or allegedly reported out in Chicago, um, and they thought that there was this huge cover up going on with the Chicago Hare Airport. Mm -hmm. But I think it was around like 2011 and then 2019 there was just this resurgence of Mothman, um, but in Chicago. Oh, and another little bit of rabbit hole for me and Mothman is uh, the first time anyone ever saw Mothman up close, that was in St. Albans. So Mothman flew down Route 2 and then went down Route 60 uh, for about two hours, or he flew as the Mothman flies to get to St. Albans and landed in the yard of a woman named Ruth Foster. And immediately I was like, wait a minute, I know a bunch of Fosters. Uh, who have been in town uh, their whole lives. And I'm like, okay, so that, you know, if it's such and such who I went to preschool with, and then her mom would be about 70 now. So this could be her mother-in-law. And I actually, before we started recording, I actually got on uh, a, like a bunch of obituary sites and was jumping around Facebook, trying to figure out some family lineages to figure out if it was that person's, <laughs> like this woman I went to school with, her grandmother. I could not confirm, unfortunately. <laughs> Because well. I, I only had 20 minutes, but I got close. Man spends 20 out, uh, twenty minutes on Facebook, cannot confirm Mothman relation. I also looked at, I also looked at published obituaries. Thank you. But you, you, you did, you did your due diligence, but Brandon, exactly. I mean, I think the people really want to know, considering you're from this land, have you ever been to the statue and have, have you, you been touched to the shrine? Butt? Have you touched it? 
the Mothman have you, have statue, you the shiny butt. The Mothman statue was not erected until 2003, and I moved out of West Virginia in 2004. So oh, I, that's not an excuse. That that is that is that is <laughs> unacceptable, yeah. sir. Look, as as uh, a cryptid enthusiast and a friend, I would dare say. Yeah. We've only known each other for five minutes. Um, I'm I'm gonna need you to go back. I'm gonna need you to go back <laughs> home. Take that pilgrimage. Smack that shiny booty. The last time I was in West Virginia was September of 2019, and I just didn't have time over a long weekend to go to Point Pleasant, where I know <laughs> no one, like an hour and a half out of my way. So what I'm hearing well, is we to need to plan a road trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like what I'm hearing. Sandhill crane nonsense. <laughs> I, I was thinking today as I was doing my research on this, it's like, I really need to go there because I can, I can uh, do, I can hit two Mothmen with one stone and do this one and my other monster at the same time. I, I want to be part of this road trip, one for Mothman and two for Grapeco, the greatest grape soda known to man. Uh-huh. I haven't heard you talk about Grapeco for a while. Because <laughs> I ran out. <laughs> Been chosen for a while. Oh, man. All right, uh, Inver, I think we're back to you. We are. I guess that brings us to the second tier of contestants, which mm -hmm. I'm glad for, because as much as I love the Chupacabra, it doesn't have, like, cool, sinister stories about it. I mean, aside from sucking blood out of animals and leaving their carcasses. However, the Fresno Nightcrawlers are super whimsical and fun, and I think you will enjoy them. I love maybe, the Fresno Nightcrawlers. They're maybe so you know, weird. Maybe you know of these creatures. If you ever were to look out in your wooded backyard and see two ghostly pillars of apparition that come to a point with a tiny head and pale, bright eyes, you would be seeing a pair of spectral pants called the Nightcrawlers. They basically just kind of like dawdle around. No, I'm serious. It's like a pair of pants. No shoes, no torso, just pants walking around. They look like puffy harem pants if I want to really paint a picture for you. All white. They've been seen like cavorting around dumpsters or frolicking down hills, or um, they're really not camera shy, unlike a lot of the cryptids, which makes a lot of people think that it's a hoax. Okay, fair, but that's not fun. There are alternative theories to what our whimsical harem pant cryptids might be. And I think I personally like the uh, spore theory that this is the mushroom colony that's grown legs and is walking around at night. <laughs> They don't really get up into anything nefarious. They just kind of walk around. Uh, another one is that they're really just pants. That, you know, it's a ghostly specter that's been decapitated or feet amputated. Or maybe it, it was only able to apparate, like, a portion of its body. And it's just the pants walking around. It ran out of energy. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I just love them. They're so charming. They haven't maimed a soul. And that's why they're pants, Nightcrawler pants for president. I think there was another sighting in Michigan. I want to say Michigan. It was someplace really far away from Fresno. That's all it was I some remember. Someplace really far away from Fresno, but most of the sightings have been in Fresno, California. So that's my second submission. It looks like a pair, like two <laughs> fitted sheets from a bed just started blowing away. <laughs> it looks like two children tried to create ghost costumes and then they just kind of connected at the head and they continued to walk far apart no, from each other. What it, it what it is, is MC Hammer actually died in the <laughs> 90s and had his torso cut off. So it's just his hammer pants. Just... I knew it. <laughs> Bleached MC Hammer pants. Here we have it, folks. Yeah. Well, yeah Case well, closed. <laughs> when, you're, when you're a ghost, all your clothes turn white. So you can be a ghost. 
Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Ghosts you, with the most. If you get up really close to them, they probably uh, have like sparkly material on them to showcase their 90s hip hop origins. <laughs> it doesn't looking... really quite solve the problem with how he can have two pants at the same time, but maybe MC Hammer is just cloning himself in the afterlife, and that's really what's happening. The ghosts are repeatedly time traveling back to the same moment, so multiple ones can appear at the same time. All right, I'll work with that. <laughs> Some big brain theories over don't, there. Don't let them pull the wool over your eyes. <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> it's gonna blow the lid off of this. I'm, I'm watching gifts of Nightcrawlers walking. Do you love them? I kind of love them. Yes, they're but, adorable. But also, like. Why are they cartoon high step sneak walking everywhere? Like, They're trying what? to act normal. That's how they don't <laughs> no. make a sound. What? They're tiptoeing through the tulips, you know, <laughs> of the ethereal plane onto our existence. Look, don't question these things, Josh. Just accept it for what it is. And you know what? It can't be a sandhill crane because there's no wings. <laughs> you are right. You are right. Definitely not a sandhill crane. Not a sand. Maybe like a wacky, wavy, inflatable arm flailing tube man, but with no arms. <laughs> that could it's be. the pants part the no think about it all the wacky waving i don't remember the rest of that inflatable tube men pieces are from the torso up they have no feet this is where they went case closed i, I know what my that. next i know what my next investigation is i'm gonna figure out <laughs> what's going on with these guys you know it could be just it could be a really tall sandhill crane and they've just got don't even they've got their wings folded in and they've got their neck folded down the audacity of them that would be so like sandhill cranes though let's be real classic sandhill cranes bastards i will forever have a war with them oh god all right sydney what's your next one Skunk apes, yo. Uh, okay, cool. So let's let's kick it down to uh, my old neck of the woods. So as I said, a skunk ape, what do, what is? Uh, poor man's Bigfoot. So skunk apes, though, are not specifically, um, they're not entirely tied to Florida. Um, there are stories that have gone throughout Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, um, but specifically in Florida, uh, there were, from an indigenous standpoint, they they had stories about these creatures, um, but how they called it, I'm probably going to butcher this name, so I apologize to my indigenous brethren, um, there is something called a Estikapkiki, uh, which translates roughly to cannibal giant. So, like thinking of a Bigfoot, it's essentially the same thing. It is a hairy humanoid creature, but foul smelling. Um, but it's smaller than what most people think of a Bigfoot to be. Uh, these things kind of range from about um, five to seven feet. And they've been sighted all throughout Florida and other parts of the southeastern United States. So they, they are a thing. And back in 2013, I was living in Clearwater, Florida. And the apartment complex that I lived in uh, was known as, uh, let me pull up my map real quick, the Grande Bay Apartments. So this was off one of the main roads. And the apartment that my mom had, we were actually right on the uh, Tampa Bay shoreline. So we could see the water. 
one day, uh, it's about two or three in the morning when all good things happen to us, and I'm staying up late, sitting outside, just smoking some cigarettes, trying to write some really nerdy fan fiction on Tumblr. We don't need to go any further than that. It did happen. We're leaving it. But the area that I lived, so anytime the tide would go out, there was this small sailboat that was just hanging out there. And you could see it pretty clearly. So tis a full moon. I'm sitting outside and I started to smell something really weird that wasn't typically like your normal shitty Tampa Bay smell. And I'm looking around and the tide is completely out and you can see this like small sailboat kind of like sitting on its whatever the hell those rudder things are called in the sand. So it's just kind of standing. And I start to hear kind of this like low grunting sounds and I looked over and I thought I could see someone hunched down like in the sand on the other side of this boat so I'm like standing there looking I'm like what the hell is that and it kind of just starts like hulking around and like dragging its knuckles along the ground and I was like that's terrifying what is going on and I start to kind of hear like a howler monkey so this really deep guttural like <gasps> like kind of noise and like oh this this is this is this, something weird is happening and the thing stands up entirely and steps out into the moonlight and i could see that it was covered in hair and there was another one that came up from the other side of it dragging its knuckles moved next to it i kind of freaked out and opened my door and i guess it heard me but it went back down on its hands and knees and basically crawled away into the mangroves i asked a couple people that i knew around there if they had ever seen anything like that and they were the ones that point out they're like oh that's probably a skunk ape and i'm like holy shit i forgot those existed but no. <laughs> i'm dumb because the whole time i'm listening to this story i'm thinking that this is happening in broad daylight and then you're no. like oh yeah it stepped out of the moonlight <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that explains why there was a little bit more mystery to this. Yeah, no, it was it was around two or three in the morning and was just aghast. Could not believe it. Told my mom. She was like, yeah, OK. But then it also reminded me um, when I was a kid. So my family, my uh, dad's side of the family, we hail from the Podunks of Missouri. Missouri also has its own Bigfoot called Momo, the Missouri monster. And so my grandparents, they lived in Dixon, Missouri, a very, very, very small town. So anytime we would visit them in the summer, we would stay in a camper like just on the other side of my grandparents' house. So one night, I'm a kid, terrified to sleep by myself. I'm sleeping with my parents in the camper. And we, me and my mom wake up late in the morning. And we hear some scuffling. My uncle had a bunch of dogs, uh, pit bull puppies out. So we heard them kind of yipping, yelling, growling, and then they all quieted down and like made like a squeak noise. And then the trailer rocked. And we could suddenly smell this horrific, like just putrid smell. And we heard the growling again. It's when my dad finally woke up and was like, don't go outside. We're just gonna be, be completely quiet. So we did. Few minutes later, walked off. We walked outside the next day. There were weird footprints outside. So you've had not one but two skunk ape encounters. Yes, I've had some weird paranormal uh, experiences, but you know that could be saved for another day, my friends. So I have I'm, a question. You said that it's smaller than a bigfoot. Is it like a medium foot, a small foot, or an extra small foot? 
I I would say it's it's a Diet Coke size. So like, let's think of um. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, a shrimpier Bigfoot. So not a not a not a venti or a Trenta foot. It's a grande foot. <laughs> no, yeah, it's. I feel I like my say... T-shirt metric was sufficient, but I will <laughs> I will convert <laughs> to soda sizes. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would say maybe, maybe a little bit on the grande side. I don't even go to Starbucks, so it took me a minute. I was like, "What the hell is he?" Right, 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 right. I go with medium. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm only mildly disappointed that we heard Diet Pepsi and we didn't immediately go to Seven uh, Eleven cup sizes. Like, this isn't a double big gulp, Bigfoot. Is it a slurp? Is it a slurpy foot? <laughs> uh, well with the with the swampiness of where we're talking about yeah i guess it would be a bit of a slurpy foot sounds like it has a radial stench attack that must be useful to detecting it at least you know but it's hard to tell when you're in florida because we got a you know the florida man which is constantly just smelling Oh, like lost hopes and dreams that's that's I, why the skunk ape lives in florida because it's got natural camouflage <laughs> oh yeah no no everybody's on drugs there i consider myself to be a florida refugee i barely escape with my life uh don't don't ever go don't ever go to jupiter florida it's not it's a shameful place although i did meet burt reynolds that was cool. that's pretty cool that yeah, is he almost, pretty cool he almost ran me over with a truck oh wow. I was, hoping he was, I, was, cool. I was hoping he was driving the bandit car. That would have made that a way better story. <laughs> no, no, it was just a big, giant, useless truck. <laughs> I definitely don't want to encounter a skunk ape. I am really excited no. for the next one, though. I know that no. you, you, brought, you brought it, Josh. You I can talk yes. about... I, I would like to talk about the slenderest of men, Alon. Uh, no. So, there... I really, I really could have done a little more. Like y'all are coming out with like first sighting. No, we can help you with the Slenderman. Don't worry about it. So, Don't get all so, confused. Yeah, just, just, just for my, just for my own edification here, I'm glad other people are seeing what I put up with. Where it's like, Josh, we're gonna, we're gonna review this, we're gonna review this book on the podcast tonight. I've got, I've made about two pages worth of notes here. Yep. And you're like, yeah, man, I just, I haven't had a chance. I'm sorry. I was like, all right, we'll do our best. We're <laughs> like, actually like, in the right grid matrix for people who are underprepared and people who are over, overprepared. <laughs> well, I, I have been sitting around with this useless knowledge in my head for years. And I can even give you uh, some explanations on Slenderman and why he's real. We have theories. So why don't you just bring, so, bring him up as a topic and we can substantiate. So Slenderman as a topic is a... <laughs> Almost, almost universally, is described as a besuited black suit, white shirt, red tie, very tall, very long limbs, no face, humanoid head, no face, just a white outline where a face should be, and it started out as something posted in these something awful forums as brandon pointed out earlier i did do a little quick googling to pull up the date 2009 it's been that long already it's been Gosh. that long my Slenderman youth is 13 years old he's getting ready to go off to high school oh <laughs> they grow up so fast <laughs> my baby so my my personal experience with slenderman uh, I actually have two interesting stories here. 
thing number one is I used to have a friend group who really was into horror games, but was terrible at playing them alone. So we set up a computer with a duplicated display to a widescreen television mounted on the wall. And then a group of friends would sit on a futon behind the computer player and just kind of like cheer them on as they were trying to get through a horror game. And if you got too spooked and you were having too much trouble, you got to pause the game, stand up, and whoever was next in rotation took your seat, took over, and you got to go be part of the big pile of just people being close together and feeling safe and warm on the futon. So the first experience I had with Slenderman <laughs> was playing at that friend's house during one of these nights and playing the game where it was the the name is escaping me, but where you were on the island with Slenderman and then you had you started out finding pages and then you were in the house and then you're walking around the house finding pages and there's just like it's a mad spooky game and I loved the hell out of it. Josh, can I interject for one second and just say I love how you call him Slenderman, like his name's Bill Slenderman. Slenderman. And, and yes. that's Slenderman. I think it's called Outset Island, or is it just Slenderman? Um, outset... I'm going with Slenderman pronunciation. <laughs> I'm a I fan like, of the Slenderman. <laughs> I like Slenderman because uh, you could say Slenderman and just be talking about anybody. If you're talking about Slenderman... It's like, well, that's his name. That's who he is. He's friends with John Mothman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So my personal experience, and it's possible that this is colored ever so slightly. Um, I had had a really, really bad fight with a now ex, and I had gone for a little cool off walk. Well, I managed to walk about five miles in the Charlottesville night, which, you know, there's not a whole lot going on, so it's not hard to make distance. And I made it to a jogging trail near one of the more suburban areas. And that jogging trail happens to cross the river near the road. And it is very, very elevated. There's like a there's like a waterfall that the water drops off into. That is just below the street. And then the jogging trail goes over that large ravine gap between spaces. As I was getting onto the jogging trail and making it close to this spot, I started to get a little, a little bit of that old being watched feeling. And as I got to the bridge, I realized that I could not see into the trees beyond the bridge. That it was that dark on that part of the road. And so I was like, I'm not really keen on going somewhere I can't see. All I have with me is my cell phone for light. And I'm probably going to want that for if I get myself into a bad situation, I need to make a call. And so I go to turn around, and as I'm turning around, I catch just a glimmer of white under the bridge. And when I double took and was like, wait, was that? I didn't see anything. But the feeling of being watched followed me all the way back off of the jogging trail into a parking lot 
where I called my at the time partner sobbing uh, to come get me because I was very concerned that something bad was about to happen to me. Thunder sound. Now, that was post playing the game. And, you know, like you're you're in a high stress, high tension situation. Sometimes you see things. But then again, sometimes you see things. Sometimes things are there following you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things see you. That is also possible. Mm -hmm. Yay. Do you think you would have got lured deep into the woods? Um, I think that was something telling me that I had gone plenty far and that it was a good time for me to turn around, uh, is what I think that was. Trust what your does... jellies always. <laughs> yes. What does Slenderman do, really? Because I know that he, he was the impetus of a lot of children-led cults. Only one. One? Just one? I thought there were multiple cults. There, I there's... mean, there's, there's the cult following but generally attributed to one murder. There's only the one that made the news and that uh, I was kind of annoyed by because everybody was like, oh, is this what this is all about? And it's like, that's not how anyone summons Slenderman. That's not how anyone has ever summoned Slenderman. You don't do it by stabbing people. That's never been part of it. Go away. Yeah. So how does one summon Slenderman, Josh? And what is he then? Is he like... So the the concept behind sl the Slenderman is that he exists out there regardless of your awareness of him. And the real trouble is that once you have seen him, well and truly seen him in a kind of almost like eye contact, is that what I think that is sort of fashion? Uh... <laughs> No, Brandon. No, no Brandon. It is <laughs> not looks in mirror. Repeat the name Slenderman. All right, three lighting times. candles. You guys can't be trusted. <laughs> Excuse me while I set up my space. Uh, the the idea is that once you have fully recognized that you have seen him, he will follow you until he either drives you completely mad. Yeah, I was getting good vibes. Yeah, lays lays his uh he in a lot of editions of the telling has tentacles that come out the back of him that aren't quite physical manifestations, they're almost like wisps of darkness that can grab you and then consume you in and in either instance the idea is that you completely lose yourself and become a vessel for his will. Yay! <laughs> Good times. Very eldritch horror thrall results too. See yes. when you when you said lay there for a second, I thought you said we we're gonna say he lays eggs in you, and it was like, oh no, <laughs> that uh, sounds awful. But uh, uh, I'll take a Slenderman that doesn't lay eggs and just takes over mm -hmm. my corporal form. No, it takes over. Takes over your form. I did find the title of the game. It is Slender colon the Arrival. Yeah, I've played that. It's terrifying. <laughs> terrifying, but so well done. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Josh, that kind of reminds me of a yokai. Um, there's there's a yokai that manifests itself as a beautiful woman walking down the street. 
and if you pass her oh i know that one yeah yeah and you like if, if, if she sneezes or something like that and if you say excuse me uh she'll follow you uh and she won't stop following you and she'll break through doors to kill you and stuff oh gosh what is it it's like the i can't remember the name of it name that yokai ikisachi yoma or something like that Oh, I love yokai. Yeah, I'm gonna... they, are, they are fun. Um, would you would you guys like to hear a little bit on how Slenderman is uh, could technically be said that he is alive? We got a theory. Mm-hmm. Bring it. So, I, have you have it. you guys ever heard of the term tulpa? It's T U L P A. I've heard that term, but I can't remember what it means. So, tulpa, or another word for it, is a thought form. And it's basically when a a collective of people put forth um, very specific traits, and they, they essentially, they make an entity. So, it's a, it's a thought form. It's a collective consciousness that um, is attributed. Also, I mean, kind of technically, it could be an egregore, but um, for how slender man came to be we're on reddit all of these stories come out everybody starts to believe in it and they start putting in you know like very specific attributes you got like the tentacles you got the faceless man tall slender you got everything else like all the details ingrained into it and because there is still and also your guys podcast is going to reignite this um <laughs> attention on it so good job uh make sure you leave some salts on your front and back door oh, uh, you. if you're gonna leave if you're gonna leave salts also leave a five-star review on spot Spotify or your podcast uh, it's program the only of choice. way you'll be protected. <laughs> well, um, exactly. But because there is, you know, still like a collective group that believes in Slenderman, um, he could technically be seen as real because people are afraid of it. And once you already like manifest an entity like into a collective consciousness and essentially kind of like an evil imaginary friend, yeah, he exists. Uh, to circle back around for a second, I looked up the yokai I was thinking of. Uh, <laughs> I googled yokai don't talk to woman, and it was the first result. <laughs> it's uh, kuchisake ono, which means kuchisake uh, ono. Yeah. yeah, slit the slit mouthed woman, and it's uh, she passes. She's wearing a mask, and uh, she passes you, and she asks, "Am I pretty?" And I encourage anybody to look at the Wikipedia page for this because somebody has gone to the trouble of creating a conversation diagram explaining what happens when you respond to her questions. She asks, am I pretty? If you say no, she kills you with scissors. If she, if you say yes, she takes off the mask and asks, how about now? And she's like deformed and stuff. If you say no, it says cuts you in half. If you say yes, slit your mouth so it appears like hers. Uh, ha- have you ever heard of a shirimi? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe not. Not going to tell you the finer details on uh, what a yokai of the shirimi is, but yeah, just give it a give it a look. We'll do a whole episode <laughs> on. We'll give you a look. We'll yeah, do a whole yeah, episode you're on yokai. The listeners. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a whole episode on yokai sometime soon. I've got I've got a whole book of yokai that I've been meaning to sit down and read, so that'll be a good excuse. Uh, Josh, tune Josh, in next time. Josh looks very pensive, like he does not want to spend an episode talking about yokai. Or he looked up what a shirimi was. No, I just don't want to like be in a no-win conversation with a yokai. That's that's not my idea of a good time. I feel like I cosmetic mean, surgery is one way to win that conversation. A tofu mm-hmm. koza is quite benevolent. It's just a kid with a plate of tofu. Okay, we will get to yokai <laughs> at another <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> I, I have yeah. useless information. Call me anytime. <laughs> Um, I've got uh, my final monster, the Flatwoods monster slash 
Braxton County monster. And you've probably seen the Flatwoods monster or pictures of it. And if you didn't realize what it was, it's that thing with like the green bell on the bottom and the red spade on the top. Uh, and it just looks like some weird robot monster. So uh, I also have somewhat of a personal connection to the Flatwoods monster because my aunt and uncle for a while actually lived in Braxton County. Uh, but uh, this was about 50 years after the Flatwoods monster. Uh, so September 1952, some kids are out playing. They see a light streaking across the sky. It crashes into a hillside. It's four boys who are out playing. I think they're like eight, nine, ten years old. Um, they decide to go to investigate. One of their houses is on the way, so they stop and get the mother. And she comes to, and she brings a neighbor who is also who is in the National Guard, and he brings a gun and stuff like that. So they get up there. It's it's got kind of a, a nasty sort of sulfurous smell, and they see just like floating, just levitating right there. This creature, it's ten feet tall, pulsing red eyes. Its head's kind of shaped like a spade. It's wearing some kind of metal dress or something. It's got these red clawed hands. Look at a picture of it if you've never seen it, because it it looks like it's in some kind of weird encounter suit, spacesuit kind of thing. This thing looks like it belongs in like Breath of the Wild or some other Zelda game. Absolutely. Uh, And then so everybody just like is terrified and they run away. Uh, Some of the members of the group suffered from throat irritation, vomiting, nausea, and it just kept on for days. So doctors and some of the law enforcement were like, oh, that's just hit the hysteria. Like their anxiety and their nerves got so worked up that it was causing these physical symptoms. Uh, But Everybody always likes to add that those are the telltale signs of exposure to mustard gas. So, yeah. So uh, they go and tell the authorities. The authorities go out there and they don't see anything, but they're like, well, you know, it's like the middle of the night. We'll come back in the morning and see what we can find. They didn't find anything except for what looked like skid marks going down like skis, basically, like going down a hill. Um, So... Uh, I guess it was a few days later, quote unquote, journalists from nearby Clarksburg came by and um, the mother thought that they were dressed in suits that were way too nice to belong to journalists from the Clarksburg paper in 1952. Uh, They talked to her about what, uh, what she saw and everything like that. They didn't tell her not to talk about it or anything, but they came back later and wait for it. It turns out they were actually from the federal government. Uh, so they were men in black, basically. And there, there are a bunch of, or not a bunch, but there's a handful of other sightings. Uh, there's someone, uh, a woman and her friend who are walking through the woods. They're cutting across property after coming back from the store one night. And they see it. They see some sort of lights off in the distance. Uh, and it was, uh, I don't, I don't want to say confirmed, but they're, they're pretty much, they saw sort of the same thing because it was in the same area at the same time. Um, and uh, the uh, ultimate story that the federal government told people, including the, the mother, was that the multiple lights in the sky were actually rockets that uh, were flying overhead, but they got, um, what's the word? Like they veered off course uh, and crashed and they each had uh, a pilot, but they never like explained like, oh yeah, that person you saw, that creature you saw, that was actually the pilot in a, like a special spacesuit or anything. Like they never gave any details or clarification or anything. So they're just begging more questions at that point. <laughs> We're just going to skim over that. Yeah. There was, uh, there was also reports of this happening in Kentucky, um, which 
you know, Braxton County is kind of in central West Virginia. So it's not like a situation where we're right at the, in the Ohio Valley on the Ohio Kentucky border. Like this is probably a couple hours away at least, but there's a family in, in kind of rural Kentucky and uh, one night their house just started being attacked by these creatures and their descriptions resemble the Flatwoods monster. And finally they were able to get the authorities out there. Like they, they were, no way. They managed to escape the house, get in the car, drive to the authorities in the middle of the night, got the authorities back there. But by the time they got there, there was nothing. So the authorities are like, quit wasting our time. And the family goes back in and tries to go to sleep again. But very shortly thereafter, the attacks resume. And like some one of the like one of the kids is woken up first when the attacks come back and they scream. And then one of the adults comes out of the other room and just fires their shotgun straight at the window because they could see one of the creatures out there. Um, the next morning, no signs of anything. The people told the police about it again, and they were ridiculed to the point that they had to move and leave the community shortly thereafter. But now this town in Kentucky is doing exactly what like Point Pleasant is doing with Mothman and what Flatwoods is doing with the Flatwoods monster is they're now making money off of this. Oh, yeah. Embrace. Yeah. They waited like 50 years to start making money off of it. Uh, so that points to it not being the original story, not being some sort of publicity stunt, because it's not like this started like the year after or something. Now, I have a memory of reading an account about the Flatwoods monster that I couldn't find. And it was that um, when all this was happening, that initial sighting in Flatwoods, uh, one woman was in her kitchen at night washing dishes and just sort of looking out into the woods uh, via the window above the sink. And all of a sudden, the monster just sort of like jumped up in front of the window and just scared the hell out of her with its like glowing eyes and everything. I could not find that anywhere, but I remember hearing that when I was really young and it drove a lot of fear for me for like looking at a window at night, not being able to see exactly what was out there. Yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, you have good reason to since Big Feet <laughs> attacked, attacked your camper. Well, you know, maybe it was just like, taking a load off just leaning yeah the scratching post yeah, maybe it was yeah. innocuous maybe but i don't and, like to think about it and one <laughs> of the other notable things about the flatwoods monster is there was a report of somebody seeing it without its kind of spade shaped helmet or hood and and this ties back to our original conversation about hollow earth they reported they reported its head as looking reptilian <laughs> no. it's always the reptilian overlords so clearly those rockets came from the hole in the north pole out mm -hmm. of the hollow earth and then mm -hmm. flew down to rural west virginia you know what else has a head that's kind of reptilian what sandhill cranes <laughs> but this one doesn't have wings although it does look related to the mothman with the glowing red eyes mm -hmm. and mostly kind of black yeah. So this guy Motif. can this guy can fly. It also apparently can cause uh, throat irritation, vomiting, and nausea. So it's got a mustard gas gun or something like that. Putrescence. Uh, yeah. So that <laughs> those are its powers. <laughs> and it can also disappear the the moment police arrive. <laughs> that's the best power of all. Let's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's pretty useful. Ninja smoke. <laughs> still can't get over the sandhill cranes i'm so mad at them <laughs> now this is another one that they tried to argue with was like a barn owl or a barred owl but again 
much, you know, they're not owls that are 10 feet tall and none of them have pulsing red eyes. Yeah. Have these people ever met now? Like, it kind of sounds like <laughs> yeah. they're just remembering from that old movie Secret of Nim where there was the giant <laughs> owl, but again, mice. So, you know. Now, maybe, maybe because they have flight, because remember, Mothman flies without flapping its wings. So it has some other m method of propulsion. Maybe, maybe Mothman is just the Flatwoods monster outside of its encounter suit. Hmm. I think I've cracked it. I did send you guys a picture yeah. of my favorite depiction of Mothman and uh, the Flatwoods monster. <laughs> I don't know, you guys. You guys got all pretty, pretty good, pretty good monsters. I mean, my skunk mm -hmm. apes just smell. That's really nice. I'm gonna put that in the show notes for folks who listen. <laughs> oh, I am one day gonna yeah. get that as a tattoo. Oh, hang on. There's a black Cadillac pulling up outside, and I see two well-dressed men getting out. I, I better go answer the door. Oh no! Uh, no, don't, don't do it. Smoke bomb. Don't look into the light. <laughs> I need the powers of the Flatwoods monster to escape when authorities have arrived. <laughs> Don't we all? I'm still, I'm still a big fan of the Nightcrawlers. I don't know that I'll be dis dissuaded in my love for them, but I, I do respect the Mothman, the Slenderman, mm -hmm. Mothman, Slenderman, Doctor John uh, Mothman, the Jersey Devil, Flatwoods Monsterman, the Jersey Devilman. They're Jersey all solid, classic. solid competitors. Not the Skunk Apes, though. Don't, don't really care for those. I mean, I will say in my defense, the Jersey Devil has been around for quite a bit. Yeah. It's seen some, not a lot. It's just the Pine Barrens. I've got a lot of a home state pride for, for my two entries. We don't have a lot in West Virginia. Uh, we have Mothman and the McElroys, and that's kind of it. So <laughs> I mean, You guys have Boone County and the uh, Whites family. I have seen the documentary of the Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. It that's is true. delightful. Yes, we do have that. Um, I'm trying to think what else we have. See, the fact that I'm having to think about it is... Uh, Oh, we got Chuck Yeager. He was cool, um, you know, until we went to space and everything. So <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I'm I'm gonna have to throw in my chits with Mothman. <laughs> but I think I might be voting for both of them if my theory is correct, which I think it might be that they're actually one and the same monster. I will pull I, uh... some tarot cards on it later and report back. <laughs> yeah. Ask a Ouija board too. Well, nope, we don't do that. <laughs> Hard no. That's, That's a how story you for a another day. <laughs> no, oh, you just no. go on Reddit for that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, does anybody have any sort of closing thoughts on their cryptids of choice, or want to throw some shade at anybody else's? I would love to get as like the final thing for this podcast episode a singular unifying theory for where all of these crazy monsters be coming from because Earth, there's so many so many hollow right. earth i feel it i feel like you're gonna come to me first but brandon's already said hollow earth and his nazi theory i gotta go with and i'm gonna take it before sydney takes it this is all this is all tulpas right this is all humans creating something that is terrifying and building a consensus mechanism to bring it literally into reality so i love this yeah. i think it uh, applies to the slenderman maybe there are unique horrors but i won't take all the theories uh, no i i stand firmly with they're all real have you ever seen a platypus they don't make sense why aren't these things real 
Have so you you're, seen you're, you're Mark saying... Zuckerberg? Also reptilian. <laughs> these guys so you're are saying evolution. These these creatures just evolved on the same planet as the rest of us. They're they're just living their lives, homie. Yeah. Just a little ever, different from everybody else. Haven't you ever seen gargoyles, Josh? It's totally plausible. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's no, I, fair. I, I think if anything, you know, at least I mean the the Flatwoods monster, like yeah, sure, probably an extraterrestrial, a uh, Mothman, perhaps an interdimensional being, but like the Chupacabra, like Skunk Apes, Bigfoot, Jersey Devil, like yeah, I, I do think that you know possibly, probably, probably from our plane of existence because wait, again, wait, wait. we already have weird stuff going on. Although the Jersey Devil too is tied into it. Yeah, uh, the Jersey Devil is from one of the hells at, at minimum, but right? still born from a woman, so would technically still have a hint of humanity within. Are you telling me the Jersey Devil's a damn tiefling, cleric? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have horns, but yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Okay. Uh, wouldn't, that mean, wouldn't that mean Jesus is a tiefling? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Spark of the divine, born of a woman. <laughs> well, before we Asimar, Jesus would be an Asimar, not a tiefling. I guess that depends on your point of view. Oh, he's, he's he's a demigod. My my running unifying theory for all of these creatures is multiversal intersectionality. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're they're from worlds much like ours, where everybody's like them, and they're only weird to us because uh, the multiverse has made a little connection, and that's why they vanish so quickly as well. If I could, I ex- take that. if I could expound for a minute on my unifying theory, Operation pa- <laughs> Operation Paperclip. At the end of the war, the U.S. got all the Nazi scientists. So there, some of them fled to Chile or Brazil. And all the Nazi monsters went to the Hollow Earth. So that's what it is. Hollow Earth got them in Operation Paperclip. The the, rept- <laughs> the reptilians got the monsters. Oh my god. Let's face it, it's all just a damn sandhill crane. <laughs> sandhill crane? <laughs> it's Nazi sandhill the heavens. <laughs> A Nazi <sighs> sandhill crane. Wait, what? No, absolutely not. <laughs> that Brendan, company. all theories are beautiful and valid, except for yours. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate your conspiracy gatekeeping. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Josh, do we want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Inver, <laughs> Sydney, thank you both so much for joining us. This has been a delight. Uh, as Brandon always says, telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Growlers podcast. If you haven't already rated us five stars, that helps us to be a little, little more visible to new folks who want to see what's up and know that we're a lovable show and not just a kind of likable show. Yeah. And don't forget to, if you want to yell at us or give us your own unifying theories of monsters in the world, hollow earth or not, uh, join the Goblins and Growlers Discord, bit.ly slash Goblin Discord. You can yell at me at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. Josh, where can they yell at you? They can yell at me at BlackCloakDM on Twitter. Uh, Inver, you got anything to plug? Catch me on Twitch and Discord. Maybe I'll do a Twitch again eventually. Don't get your hopes up. But Discord, <laughs> Inver. I, so I, have, I have nothing to plug, but if for some reason you need a witch or help with uh, some hauntings, um, send out some ravens. The gods will get a hold of me. Did you say if we needed help with a witcher? 
Uh, well, no, kind of witchcraft. Kinda. Toss a coin oh, okay. to your Sydney. Okay. Um, and and everybody, just in case I forget to put this bumper at the beginning of the podcast, remember Goblins and Growlers quid pro roll. Me and Josh, several other people are going to be at Queen City Anime Con August fifth through seventh in Charlotte, North Carolina. Be running games, running the table, doing panels. Alon's going to have some stage shows with voice actors and various things, so it's going to be a good time. Vax and mask mandatory. Get your tickets for Queen City Anime Con now. Woo. I think we're done, Josh. Will, it, will, will there be anybody else interesting at Queen City Anime Con? I guess. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but if they want to speak for themselves. I, I, oh, oh, who, me? Like me? Like, yeah, will I are, be there? You, oh, guys are, you guys are coming, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, we're totally going to be there. Yeah, we planned hotel rooms, so I hope you are. <laughs> no, we're, so actually, even, actually, we're actually definitely going to be there. Okay. Even if All you right. think Brandon and I are just a couple of big jerks, but you yeah. really like Inver and Sydney's style... Uh, come see them at Queen City Anime Con. Yeah, Inver and I actually met at a con, and now she's a great uh, content partner with us. So that was a very <laughs> fortuitous, accidental meeting. So, thanks, Brandon. I love you too. Yeah, it's I'm so I'm so full of emotion. Love and friendship. Yeah. Love. All right, everybody. We will catch you on the next episode of the Goblins and Girlish podcast. Thank you much. And if you have a favorite cryptid, send it to us. Or make your own. Yeah. And sleep tight. <laughs> Bye y'all. <laughs> <laughs>